Hello, everybody. Welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is September 9th, 2022. Tonight, we will be talking about how Jim Ryan, the uh, CEO of PlayStation, is not very happy with the, the supposed deal reached for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation after the Xbox acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We'll get into all those details about what Jim Ryan's upset about, mostly. We'll also be talking about the announcement of the Cyberpunk 2077 DLC and how it will be focused to next-gen consoles and PC only. We'll also be talking about the lighter PlayStation 5 we talked about last week and what exactly is making it lighter on the inside. That and more on today's Weekly News Roundup. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean, yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup, and it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? And we are here, we are live, we are excited to talk to you about the news. Welcome everybody back to another, for the first time in a long time, Friday edition of the Weekly News Roundup. This is where we will be now going forward. Friday nights, 8 p.m. Mountain Time is where you're going to be able to catch us here, doing the news that you also love to tune in and check out. My name, of course, is Travis, and as always, I'm joined via Discord by Kyle. Kyle, what's up? What's up? Not a lot here. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot over here, man. Splatoon, been, dude. Yeah, you've been playing Splatoon three like mad, haven't you? Uh, well, not like mad, but a little bit. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, what I is... like it. Yeah, so far. Um, I haven't hopped into the online yet. Um, but I, I, I think I'm gonna hop into that tonight because I think there's already a Splatfest or something going on, like the so... inaugural one for Splatoon three. Something like that, probably. It's either that or it start probably starts this weekend. So, cool, cool. We'll keep us apprised of how that's going to go because for me, it won't be any video games this weekend. Sadly, it will be uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and unfortunately, having to be an adult around my house. So, sad well, days. Fortunately, Ghostwire is off the the bill, so I, I finished that one. So I won't I won't have to play that <laughs> one anymore. It it was it was really good. They had a lot of good ideas. The ending was actually really good. Um, kind of sad, but uh, damn, there's so much to do in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, cause you you took forever to get through that game anyway. But I think we had a whole mess of other things to play at the same time. So, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fair enough on that one, dude. Well, let's just hop right into it with the beginning part of the news for this week. And that is the PlayStation CEO thinks Xbox's Call of Duty offer is inadequate. Uh, so what had happened is that, uh, like, apparently there have already been conversations going on between the Xbox team, uh, more specifically Microsoft and, of course, Sony, about keeping the Call of Duty franchise non-console exclusive more specifically making sure that it stays multi-platform just as it has since it originally came out 
One of the main issues, though, of course, is that with the acquisition of uh, Activision Blizzard still looming right now and still waiting for that to be closed out, there's concern that Microsoft isn't going to necessarily follow through. So uh, it turns out that Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan, Phil Spencer being the CEO of Xbox and Jim Ryan, the CEO of PlayStation, got together and actually talked about it. And it seems like things did not go as well as they could, or at least more specifically in the terms. So the article here from, uh, from Polygon goes into some detail on it. And here's what they say. Um, on Monday, Xbox president Phil Spencer clarified that Microsoft has signed an offer with Sony to keep the game on PlayStation beyond the contract as well. This deal was intended to be public, according to Sony, and it still isn't enough of a guarantee for the future. Because uh, as it stands right now, uh, I believe if I read this right, Kyle, is that the uh, terms for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation, at least as it relates to some of those other like day one contractual obligations, is still for another three years. Um, yes, that that's what uh, Jim Ryan is uh, claiming. Yeah, and then uh, carrying on here, of course, because I guess Phil Spencer brought it out into the open, and they're you know sharing at least details on it. Here's what uh, Jim Ryan had to say. I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be pri a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum. Microsoft is only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current arrangement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account uh, of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. So, obviously, you know... That, that is that, that's it's a little 50 50 right now and where this situation stands yeah, we, we want well we want call of duty to stay as multi-platform as it can because they we want everybody to be able to play that game you know as, as at least those who want to play it but we also understand that it is business though too and call of duty is by far one of the more successful franchises out of activision so well that's kind of an underhanded comment too i feel like because uh, one of the reasons that Call of Duty has had such a big following and such a big home on PlayStation is because PlayStation has paid for exclusivity on some of the online features yes, uh, for some of the Call of Duties. So they, they had online exclusivity for like a, the first year on on some of the, the DLCs that, you know, Xbox, they, they couldn't play. Yeah. So, I mean, it... It's like saying, well, you know, they, yeah, they, they do have that following, but part of that is artificially generated in, in a way. And giving them three years, I, I think, is fair. And that's not saying that they're necessarily going to take it away entirely. That's just saying that they're going to contractually continue uh, to produce it for three years, and then we'll see beyond that. Yeah, what I find more interesting on it is exactly what you said is about those exclusivity parts because everybody got Call of Duty the same day, but like I think Spec Ops was the the mode that was PlayStation specific for a year when the Call of Duty remastered uh, version came out, and or Call of Duty remake. What I don't want to get into that argument about remake versus remaster. We don't need to do that again, um, <laughs> right? But I think they had a year long exclusivity with that game mode, and then it finally came out, but it 
didn't necessarily detract from the overall core experience that people were going into play, which was the call, the standard Call of Duty multiplayer, and then of course the advent of Warzone uh, several months down the line. Now, right. even with that part covered, though, um, I mean Microsoft could easily flip the table on this. Microsoft could easily go back and put this into their environment to be console exclusive or at least platform exclusive given windows as well because i can't see them giving up the pc space in that anyway um or just flipping the exclusivity part as it comes to those modes and still letting sony have call of duty without the those other additional bonuses which i feel is probably more likely what's going to happen but it's going to be a toss-up depending on what regulators say or you know they they could totally flip it on their head and say okay you know you can you can have Call of Duty but you know you're gonna you're you're gonna pay for you know a forty fifty dollar version that has no campaign yeah like uh, that would be an you interesting know, or you're gonna and... you're gonna pay the seventy dollar cost but you don't get the campaign for a year but by then who cares you know people have already had their fill of multiplayer a lot of people uh, to be honest and. I know there, there's there's a large number of people that play single player, and I I buy like Call of Duty games, and for a long time mm-hmm. I, I bought them solely for single player, just because I didn't care for the online experience. There were a lot of like kids that talked crap and stuff. Shocker. So yeah, you know it it just got to be too obnoxious, and I was like whatever. So I I buy games like that and play them single player. Mm-hmm. Same with like fighting games. I mean. There are there is an audience that does that, but there's also a large audience that will buy the game and never touch the single player. They buy it for the online experience only. That's true, and I think we've seen a lot of that, especially with the advent of Battle Royale titles, that people don't generally want... Like, you're not getting a single-player campaign in these Battle Royale uh, games. You're getting, you're getting story but you're not getting a single-player mode, at least in the sense of a campaign to go through. And we even saw that with the advent of uh, Battlefield 2042, where they completely stripped out a campaign. We saw that with Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, It's definitely not a far-fetched thing to even consider that they could go that route, but I don't think that part is going to happen per se. Um, Right. I still see it being one of those things that they'll keep developing. What I do find interesting, though, here, or find at least maybe what makes the most sense in this one, is what the Polygon article says here at the end. It says, for Microsoft, it's a chance to prove to regulators that it's working with Sony to ensure it doesn't monopolize franchises like Call of Duty, while Sony has the opportunity to get a more favorable deal while Microsoft is under a bit of extra pressure. So by Jim Ryan coming out and calling on Phil Spencer's not necessarily his bluff, but calling out Phil Spencer on what he didn't say about it is that it makes it more open to regulators. I mean, cause that contractual stuff is going to get out there anyway, as a part of this approval process. And they're going to see this deal already there. And with these words out there and depending on what the community says too, it's very possible they could leverage another three years on top of it. So they could have six years of, of support that way. And then by the time the next console generation rolls around, it's basically, well, you want to play Call of Duty? It's on the uh, the Xbox Series Y. I don't know. Well, and I think Jim, part of it, too, is Jim Ryan's attack on Phil Spencer of, you know, kind of 
underhanded blow of, you know, well, I wasn't going to say anything, but now I'm going to say something about it. Um, I think it it's in regards to the, the fact that uh, Phil Spencer had said, you know, just as a general blanket that Blizzard Activision titles are still going to be available on PlayStation systems. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't give it any sort of timeline or anything, and he wasn't doing that to appease anyone on Sony's side necessarily. But true, I think more so to appease players to say, oh, you know, if you do still have that console, don't worry, you're still going to be able to play your games. Don't worry, you know, we we still want you to be able to play with you know the people that are playing on our environment and the people that are playing on PC as well. Yeah, and that's why I really do see the... That's why I really do... Like, I am agreeing with you on that one, that it does feel underhanded to really kind of drive the conversation in a different manner, like like Phil Spencer's not being truthful in this case. It's like, well, they did extend an olive branch to you to offer this additional amount of yeah. time, but now it's now it's more like, okay, well now we know more than nitty gritty and you're kind of bringing us into your drama even more in that case. It's like, you guys are businessmen. You need to work this out. Yes. It's going to be what the consumers are going to want. It's going to be, you're going to have to narrow it down to what the consumers are um, looking for. But at the end of it though, you can only push so far. And if, you know, if the deal goes through and Microsoft decides, hey, you know what? Here's an extra two years. What's gonna What's it gonna look like when we hit, like, say, the four year mark of that five years? What's it gonna look like battle wise when it comes to that? Well, and maybe this is an opportunity for PlayStation to step back, and you know, for for Jim Ryan to step back and say, you know, how can I take advantage of this three year olive branch? You know, maybe we can have some negotiations as to you know how we can get some of these titles on you know, our console and maybe provide some of our titles for their console. So we're not necessarily, um, you know, trying to keep one another away from stuff like that, but maybe it can be a little bit tit for tat and then maybe more of a friendly trade eventually, you know, Oh, we make, you know, God of war, you make call of duty. Let, you know, let us still have call of duty. Maybe you can get a God of war title or something. I, as, that cool might be that a stretch, would, but yeah, you, know, you as, know what I'm saying. As cool as that would be, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not holding my breath for that to be the situation. But given that we are seeing not necessarily a lot of console exclusives as being like the key uh, the key focus anymore, it's more about that the 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 platform that everything works on. And given you know Xbox and uh, streaming on your phone and playing games on PC and tying everything together that way, how it all works out. You know, it's something that they don't have that Sony doesn't have. And that's that type of leverage, at least that kind of offers that playability to other people. And that, you know, maybe Sony might see that as another way to kind of break in and, and maybe do some of that together to offer an exclusive PlayStation game on Xbox in some form, but it's going to be, a very big stretch for something like that to actually occur. It's going to be a very big thing for that to happen. And it's going to require a lot of heavy lifting to make that occur. And I just don't think it's going to happen. On the flip side, we do see a lot of uh, big companies and even smaller companies being bought up by both PlayStation and Xbox and companies being uh, having their money 
or having money dumped into them, excuse me, uh, by uh, Microsoft and by by Sony um, for for stakes in companies. So in a way, that's like them paying for you know uh, a stake of exclusivity, maybe, or you know an adv- uh, to an advantageous stake in their company uh, to be able to you know get extra content or get early content. Maybe this this is where you know it kind of bridges the gap that there's so many companies that are owned by each of each of them now that it's going to have to be like a Minecraft scenario. Microsoft still owns it, but it's still on PlayStation. It's still on Switch. So, yeah. And that's why it's another one of those unfortunate, like, wait-and-see things, because it's very possible Mm -hmm. that the deal may fall through still. Um, I mean, Microsoft does have a lot of stuff they can put out there that says, hey, it's it's like, look at what we've done with one of the most successful franchises in, in video game history, being Minecraft, and how it's continuously gotten its support. We talked about some of this, I think, um, yeah, we last we week. Did. <laughs> yeah, but also it's still yeah, it's everything else that ties into it. It's everything else that goes with um, all the other support that's out there too. But we saw what happened with Bethesda and how there's the talk that the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be console exclusive. Starfield mm-hmm. is going to be console exclusive. It's just it's tough to see exactly what's going to happen there. So we just have to wait and see what's going to occur. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, as we wait for that, we're going to wait for some other stuff here, too, because Cyberpunk 2077 DLC got announced just the other day, and it's only for next-gen and PC. That's right. So the uh, upcoming DLC is named Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, and it will be dropping next year. Uh, So the... uh, so what's happening here again, this is an article from The Verge that uh, we're referencing here, uh, is that you're going to be, uh, I guess, taking an oath of uh, as V uh, to serve the new United States of America. And it's going to be opening up a new area in Night City, uh, a new district in particular, that's going to allow your character to go and explore um, and basically do all the same stuff you've done in Cyberpunk, uh, but now with all new motives, all new chaos, and a electric whip, which I know a lot of people are going crazy for. So I'll bring the trailer up here. We can um, have this electric going. We're talking about because it it's a very short trailer anyway, too. Um, yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh, there, there, there's some weird stuff about this though. Uh, the way uh, CD Projekt Red has made it actually sound is that this may be the only DLC. They haven't announced that there's going to be any other DLC after this, um, you know, and this is the only spoken of DLC. So, in in, I, I think with the release of this content, it's going to see, or we're going to have to see if there's, like, an actual uptick in player count and, you know, if, you know, they're actually able to make sales uh, just from the DLC, because if not, this this might be it for Cyberpunk. It very well could be, and that's actually a very interesting point because they had they such do have a... that new Witcher project, uh, yeah, in line already. So yeah, and they did talk about some of that though too um, when they uh, when they talked about or at least announced the Cyberpunk 2077 DLC and that it was coming. Um, so CD Projekt Red is truly busy. Like they've got a lot of stuff going on. One of the main mm-hmm. things though to kind of like think about is that 
like you're very right that this could be the only DLC that we see for uh, Cyberpunk because of all of the other stuff that they want to work on in tandem with all of the chaos that Cyberpunk brought to like the video game industry in the first place when it was like when it was finally released. And well, the fact that they had to pull a No Man's Sky uh, in basically yeah. a nine month period. That's the other that's the other big thing, too, is that they had to do that. And now this DLC that's coming out, they're basically like, you know what? We did our best to get Cyberpunk working on last gen consoles. That's that's it. You get just the core experience. If you want to play yeah. the the DLC, you're going to have to have it on next gen hardware or a PC. That's just that's I, it. Yeah, and it, I, I think this is also them recognizing maybe it shouldn't have been on there in the first place by by disregarding the uh, previous gen uh, hardware. They're they're probably able to do a lot more with the game too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It means that you don't have to develop for like two or three different sets of hardware. Now it's like okay, the PlayStation Five disc and digital edition use the same hardware. The Xbox Series X and S use the same hardware, albeit the S is a little less powerful. But right. at the end of it, they use the same thing. So it's easier to develop for those versus uh, like the PlayStation 4 uh, line and the Xbox One line where those, you know, used similar hardware, but there were definitely other core limitations that they just could not overcome. And that's just that's just how it works with a lot of this. Now... What do you think about this, though, with the DLC anyway, Kyle? I mean, like, do you expect it to be, like, chaotic as soon as it launches, just like what we saw with the original game? Um, you know, do you think after all of the patches and work that CD Projekt Red has done that we're going to see this, like, come out, like, out the gate just clean and ready to play with little issue? Or or what? Like, what are you thinking on this one? Uh, I expect this one to be a f far more clean than... than you know, the, the first release of the content, um, as well as, you know, kind of their first patch. Um, they, they've definitely come a long way since then. Um, and I, I think this is going to reflect that. Uh, that being said, they, they are launching another patch that's going to add some content and a, I want to say a, a mission, as well as some uh, items and stuff that's going to correlate with the uh, anime that, that's going to be on Netflix. And that one's that that content's actually supposed to release, uh, I believe, the thirteenth. Uh, but that that's just kind of leading up to the the actual release of this content next year. Yeah, and as it stands, they've only said twenty twenty three. They don't have a release window yeah. other than next year. So based on when we normally see things released, especially for like AAA titles you're probably talking somewhere between March and November, I bet you, of next year. Well, and I mean, especially now that they're announcing it, they've they've probably learned a lot, I would hope, uh, from the release of the hope, uh, yeah. main campaign of the game, that they can say, you know, now that we're re releasing a trailer, we've got to be like 90% done. You know, we've, we're showing off what what we can and then we can finish up and then we have plenty of time to debug you know over the course of the the rest of the year and you know maybe at the beginning of the year and it not putting a, a definitive date on it and just saying abroad next year gives a gives them enough time to 
actually work out or pan out any bugs that they may have. So they don't have a messy launch. Well, I really hope that they have actually gotten everything straightened out so that way they don't because it would be it would be very interesting to see that they wouldn't have learned their lesson from the launch of the core game and repeated mm -hmm. the same mistakes going into the release of the DLC. That's that would have been a kicker for sure. Or that might yeah. still be a kicker. We won't know yet until 2023 when the when the DLC drops. Uh yeah, yeah. till then, I mean they you can always check out the Edge Runners themed DLC that that's launching, um, as well as they there are uh, a few different mod tools now as well. You know, besides Red Mod, um, that you can download and test out, and plenty of mods that people have already designed. If you're still thirsting for some more Night City, yeah, oh yeah. Well, while people wait. For uh, Night City, God, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is just like, you've got to wait. you got to wait, you got to wait, yeah, you got to wait. It's a lot of wait at this point because, yeah. I mean, we're going to that holiday season. We're, we're, we've are we got the anticipation for those holiday games, and then everything's unfortunately going to hit next year at this point. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, circling back around to our previous story where we were talking about uh, Sony and uh, Microsoft, uh, Serpent Knight in chat says, could this raise questions about how stable cross-platform game servers will be moving forward in general? I don't necessarily know because it's going to depend on, uh, honestly, I think it comes down to like the developers more than anything because the back end is already effectively open. We saw that in the case of Rocket League when Xbox players were able to see PlayStation players just by pure coincidence. And it was just as simple as something that got turned on by mistake and was something that got shut down really quick as soon as it was discovered. So I don't necessarily see an issue with that, like any sort of cross-platform like lockout or anything, because uh, just in how expansive games are, right now and how many of these games that people play together are truly cross-platform i can't see a i can't see it happening um i really can't so but i could eat my own words in a few years too so yeah yeah i i i don't think it you know personally i i can't see it happening either but yeah i was about to say the same thing you you never know within you know two years what what can happen in that that realm so everything can flip on its head exactly well let's move on to something else we're going to be waiting on though of course and that is battlefield so the next battlefield game has been confirmed that it will be developed with a narrative campaign which means we're getting a single player campaign back in battlefield so battlefield 2042 obviously launched just this last october without without a standalone single-player campaign. It was all multiplayer. And, of course, that rubbed some people the wrong way. But it has been confirmed that a new studio uh, created by EA called Ridgeline Games will be making this narrative single-player campaign for the next Battlefield game. And the person leading it happens to be Halo co-creator Marcus Leto. And so the studio, according to the article from Video Games Chronicle, studio was established last October and has been staffing up for the debut project. Um, and originally in December of this last year, EA had said their intention to create a connected Battlefield universe because everything needs its own universe, I guess now. Um, they are 
yeah, with with everything they're trying to work on, they're trying to bring back uh, what fans have been asking for, which is single player content, uh, especially with all of the bugs and hassle and chaos that went into Battlefield 2042, which only just got really fixed as of just recently. Yeah, so, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the the last Battlefield campaign that I attempted to play, I believe, was actually four or did did uh no hardline came out out after that but man four burned me so hard because it was broken to the point you couldn't even save for like a year yeah uh yeah and for me i remember playing some of battlefield threes but i think i beat battlefield fours but i can't immediately remember now uh yeah but i think that's a good thing though i think the fact though that at least they listened and realized that they need that that fans want a single player campaign it's just it's part of it though is that emphasis on the narrative and making sure that the story is engaging because there were a lot of complaints about even though battlefield 4 had a single player campaign there were a lot of complaints about the pacing and the tone of the battlefield 4 campaign versus even like battlefield 3s and previous iterations so there's a lot kind of writing on them by bringing back the campaign but they need to really work on developing that story. Otherwise, it could end up being just another mess. Uh, you know, yeah. or just again, they could just scrap it and just do another multiplayer game. We don't know what will happen there. So, uh Kyle, what, so I guess this is where I'm kind of curious about because if there is a new Battlefield uh game that's going to be coming out, which just like Call of Duty, there always Oh, excuse me, there always is. Do you think this is going to be set around the events of Battlefield 2042? Do you think that this is going to be something back uh, in like the history, you know, between World War One and up, uh, or is just just is this going to be something like Battlefield twenty? What was it, twenty four forty two? So here, here's what gets me is uh, they they call back to the the December uh, quote of EA saying that they want Battlefield to have a connected universe. Um, I almost want to say that this potentially they could try and make some bridge between you know uh battlefield one to 1942 to um you know modern combat um even to you know maybe bad company and maybe maybe it's just going to be bridged off the bad company story which if it's based off of the bad company story there's a lot of people that would be plenty happy with that uh the character writing for the the campaign was really good um it, it was just sad that the the game never actually had multiplayer yeah and that's again that's one of those interesting like lesson learns part about yeah uh just where you cut off content at and you know are you truly measuring your players wants and needs for a game against what you're trying to do in the first place well, I felt like they bridged a lot of gaps in in Bad Company of what they were trying to do with the older style, you know, modern combat and nineteen forty two games, to what they're able to, you know, do now. Right. But kind of a dulled down version, or now is kind of a dulled down version of what they were able to accomplish. I almost feel like, even in uh, Bad Company, maybe not so much so now because you can destroy more of the buildings you know knock out walls and stuff mm-hmm. and that's really cool uh but i remember in bad company you know if there was a guy hiding behind a wall well screw it just blow up the wall you know 
it, it had a really cool aspect and you you saw them work some of that into multiplayer but yet there was no multiplayer so i wonder if this is maybe you know tr- them trying to rebridge that gap and bring that them that storyline back to life hopefully i really hope so too i i really do because in this day and age where it feels like there's story interwoven into multiplayer games i mean that's fine but it requires me to seek out more information to kind of fill in those gaps that i might not get because uh, of just the way that multiplayer games are like are really handled or the way that they present some of that information isn't cohesive enough to follow like oh i need to look at this comic thing that's now in a website that i click on something here in the launcher and it takes me there no i don't want to do that i don't want to have to like jump out or anything there i like just consistency when it comes to it like if i'm playing a game give me the story right there you know give it to me in the same format so that way at least i can kind of take everything in instead of jumping between different sources but that's just me i just want it cut and dry on that one that's all the other hope that I have too is since Battlefield 1940 or tw- uh, 2042, excuse me, had such a a rough launch. I I would really hope that you know if it's going to include a single player campaign, that they aren't going to take steps back. You know that they learn from Battlefield 4 as well as you know the experience that they just had with the most recent Battlefield, and say, hey, you know we need to give ourselves time to work on this. You know we're still working on. 2042 let's you know pace ourselves work on that content but make sure we come out with quality content Mm -hmm. yeah because you can push out what the fans are asking for but unless you actually deliver on the quality then what was the point of even trying to do it in the first place was it just a passive hey let's just make them happy just for the sake of it instead of let's actually do what they're asking us you know for yeah so but, of course, we don't have any timeline on this Battlefield game. Uh, probably won't be something that won't be talked about till later in the year or even into the middle of next year. So be on the lookout for more news there. And, of course, make sure you tune you know, in let's here. Hope because not. We'll, who <laughs> freaking knows anymore, dude? We're still waiting on Halo <laughs> Infinite campaign co-op. So uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear some news on that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to see that show up here sometime soon in our uh, queue. But anyway... As we wait for that, and we wait for all the other disappointments out there, too, we move on to the next story. <laughs> and this is a follow-up to what we talked about last week, was the launch of a lighter PlayStation 5 in Australia. It turns out it's starting to make its way around the world right now. Well, turns out that that lighter model PlayStation 5 has made its way into the hands of YouTuber Austin Evans, who has torn the thing apart and has found that the whole reason it's lighter is several different changes to the inside of the console itself and i'll detail a couple of those here and then bring up a picture in a minute uh first off uh the key thing that he found is that they have shrunk the heat sink inside further uh not as much as they did going from the first version of the playstation 5 to the second uh but at least noticeable enough though when you compare some of these side-by-side pictures and again i'll i'll make sure that i get these pictures up here for viewers in just a minute uh the other part not only did they shrink the heat sink? They, yeah. they shrank the motherboard. Yes, that was the next thing I was getting into is, yes, they did shrink the motherboard. Uh, they did drop the um, they did drop the size of it. Uh, not like quite considerably, I suppose. Uh, but they also changed the position of the CMOS battery for some reason. So that way you now have to take apart the entire thing, including the heat sink to get to it. Uh, but they also added in a 
uh, metal plate into the uh, expandable storage bay, which a lot of people believe is related to uh, additional heat dissipation because SSDs can get hot. Uh, mm -hmm. Another thing that he ended up discovering, not even just about the size, uh, was also that the power draw has changed too, is that it's actually drawing, and I got the info right here from his Twitter, uh, the PlayStation 5 1200 model is over one pound lighter than the launch model and pulls 20 to 30 watts less and delivers roughly the same noise and heat output. Uh, Sony shrank almost everything, including motherboard and the internal packaging, to make it lighter and almost certainly cheaper for, for them. So not only is it lighter and puts out the same noise and same heat, but it's pulling in less power, which means that they found something else in the components to cut back on to not only save themselves cost, but to keep the same quality that they had from day one. So let me see here if I can get some of these stills up from his, uh, uh, let's see here, from his video. I'm just trying to find these here again. Sorry, give me just a well and I, I imagine um, with the uh, lower power draw, they probably just optimized, you know, how they were utilizing the power in the system, which in turn uh, cut back on on uh, the heat output a little bit. So it, it it gave a little bit of heat dissipation in in addition to the fact, you know, that you didn't have as much in the, in the system to cool. And it looks like there's actually, yeah, that, that copper heat pipe armor that, that would have been part of uh, covering the motherboard at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe it was trapping heat in some form that uh, forced it, like, in one different way or something there to, uh, to hold on. Like, it just trapped it even more and wasn't able to actually cycle that through, but they figured out a way to, uh, mm -hmm. like, increase the airflow. But from this still here, you can see from the teardown, so this is the new model here in the center. Um, you can see, of course, right here that they've got this new metal plate. It doesn't cover up the entire slot, but it is in there. Uh, this is, I believe, the original model, and this is the second release where they had done the new like Wi-Fi antennas and done the heatsink, the first heatsink change. And the one here in the middle from Austin is the newer model. Um, so fan set they also use is the exact same. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, and uh, actually, um, one of the things, because I, I had watched the video, uh, they said that there were two different fans uh, being used in the previous generations of the uh, PlayStation. And from various different teardown videos, it was kind of a crapshoot of which fan you actually got. Now, the third system uh, uses a, an entirely new fan again, uh, but they're there is always the potential that, you know, they have back stock of, you know, the older gen fans still mm -hmm. that you may just wind up with the same old fan that was in the, the 1000 or 1100 unit. Very possible. Very possible. Uh, in this still, I've got up here from the videos. Well, you can actually see not only is the chambering different on the actual back plate here of the, uh, of the main board, but this is where you can actually see how much they shaved off of the main board though here too. You can actually see where it uh, pops out of uh, from underneath the plate and ends right here. Whereas you look at the original model and the uh, second model, and you can see just how much they've actually been able to slice off there to save on cost, which means they found ways to, to shrink things down for themselves, which, hey, that's pretty actually, slick. 
the one on the uh, left is the 1100. The uh, one on the far right is the first gen. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Yeah, oh. I don't know why they've got first gen, second, and third. I don't know why they just didn't yeah. go. That's just me. Um, but we can actually see here in the still the difference in sizes of the heat sinks as well for cooling. And I'll actually, I need to, um, let me get rid of our videos here so that way people can actually see these because our heads are in the way there. Uh, right. But, yeah. But now, of course, with the heat sinks, though, you can see um, first generation, just a massive block uh, for what they use to actually cool everything down. Second generation, they obviously found that there were some other tweaks they could make to be able to provide the same cooling with the different heat sink. And then they go even further and shrink it down by what looks like maybe 10% going up, uh, up along the uh, heat pipes. And they even shrank down this second, uh, this second um, uh, part of the heatsink, though, too, which I think this right here is probably for cooling the uh, uh, the system memory. Yeah, but then, that, yeah. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So truly, it looks like they did a pretty bang up job here to actually adjust the, um, like you know, they adjusted their consumption of materials, they adjusted the. Um, um, they adjusted just everything that they could about the cooling in general, and they made it run the exact same way, which I think for, uh, like for everything that we've been seeing so far in, uh, supply chain issues and that, that this is a great thing for them to actually be able to do. Although they did just up the price on the PlayStation, uh, in every yeah, other I was place about except to the say, US, but yeah, yeah, they, they have to pay those engineers that 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 are saving them money somehow so what if we just uh, went to the factory with a chainsaw and cut off 20 percent of the main board right <laughs> it's like and if we took that same chainsaw and cut off five percent of the heat sink while also taking down 10 percent of the metal back plate hey we got this here we can do this yeah. So someone's standing up on the assembly line with a chainsaw cutting through those as they come through <laughs> So even with that, I mean, it's it's cool to see at least that they've been able to do it. We haven't seen this type of re-engineering stuff from Microsoft just yet, but because of the compact level of the Series X and the Series S, I don't expect anything like that anytime soon. But uh, who knows? Thought, though. Um, since PlayStation... Granted, yeah, they, they did have to up the cost in, in all but the U.S., you know, $50. True. Yes, I, I'm, I'm sure that's to offset some of the engineering costs of the new board and the new heat sinks and so on and so forth. But I, I feel like this does leave potential for PlayStation to have a, a future price drop below what they would have normally done uh before before microsoft has the opportunity to do so maybe i mean it's it's very likely that that could be the case but i like almost... long long term they're saving enough money now that we could see a, a larger price drop in the future from them well i almost wonder though too is not even just on the competition side to see the lower price drop but i wonder if this is all potentially getting things prepared for the rumored ps5 pro uh, or the PS5 be. Slim, because with the PS5 Slim, as an example, is that, you know, they've shrank down so much of this already. It, like, how much more 
do they need to really shrink down to be able to actually introduce a slim model though? Like, you know, how much more would they need to do where they could just easily transpose this over to a slim chassis and, you know, slap a new sticker on it and then go back to the drawing board again with these lar- with the original uh, first-gen PlayStation 5 heat sink and cooling to make a Pro. Because a Pro is not... I don't think a Pro is going to use that small of a of a cooling setup. It's going to need something beefier. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. But maybe that's kind of what this is leading up to, is that they're going to release a true second generation instead of like these, these marginal releases with the, the changes under the hood, more so to the actual physical hardware than it is to the chipsets that are running everything i wonder you know if this is setting up more for future stuff than anything and maybe that was planned engineering from the beginning and we just didn't know about it you know they were already preparing for it so you know they started big so they could reduce and see how much they could get rid of in the long run yeah which does kind of uh pique my interest because when the playstation 5 slim comes out or a PlayStation 5 Pro, it means the PS5 is going to probably have a price drop, and I can, you know, secure one, potentially. Right? <laughs> Although and I don't you can know. play some Spider-Man, finally. I could also get it on PC, too, Kyle. You could get it on PC. <laughs> Come on, Kyle. But, PC, I mean, PC if, you want, if you want the, the, uh, the Spider-Man experience. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. But, anyway... Uh, be on the lookout for those new PlayStation 5 models and, of course, any other news that could come up about a next-generation uh, PS5, too. Now, let's carry on here to some announcements that actually came out today from Disney and Marvel. They are having their uh, D23 showcase event this weekend, and uh, they hosted their very first Disney and Marvel Games showcase, going through some of the games that they're going to be releasing for uh, all the different platforms going through probably the next couple of years. Uh, so some of the things they showed off is we've got an untitled Captain America and Black Panther game. Uh, all they had shown off was a cinematic trailer. This is supposed to take place in World War II, and it looks like it could potentially having you uh, traverse different locations uh, between, say, World War II Europe, Wakanda, uh, just several different spots around the world as you, uh, I guess, as you push through whatever this this multiverse narrative is going to be in these games going forward too uh we did get a release date for marvel's midnight suns which originally had been uh delayed indefinitely it's now going to be released december 2nd 2022 and i gotta say like midnight suns looks pretty cool um it's got that vibe of uh like a different side of like uh, uh ultimate alliance so yeah, I'm, like a dark version of Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, like everybody they show in there has some sort of really funky, like yellow or gold and black costume of some type. Yeah, let me, let me, let me see here. This was uh, do, 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 do. okay, uh, Midnight Sun. Let me see. Bring that up here real quick. Uh, let's see. Is that the trailer there? Yes, that's it. Ooh, yay for being prepared. I love it. <laughs> uh but i i really do have to say like i'm actually looking forward to this game though too like i like the idea of the um i, I like the idea of this kind of uh different environment oh no this isn't actually like ultimate oh, there was another game that was coming out that was supposed to be like ultimate alliance i can't remember but this one has more of a um like 
card this one's game, like uh like uh turn-based aspect to it yeah it's more like uh xcom meets uh a card battler i thought that this was supposed to be similar more to ultimate alliance though i mean i watched these trailers today but i wonder how i missed even that little bit of it or uh, somehow bypassed all this stuff in the news then but um mm. not even more frustrated with myself that i i overlooked some of that stuff but yeah everybody here in the in uh the midnight suns at least though like black and gold is the theme color the, the hands down theme color yeah so that itself looks pretty cool though um dang it i didn't realize it was just all straight up a card game though i thought that was a uh um something different there. but anyway uh the key thing though is that there is no release date for a version on the switch they were looking to do a release uh on the switch but it may not happen depending of course on what they're changing there in the back end uh what i got excited for though kyle is this next title here this and... this one got me excited this is like the only one i watched the trailer for yeah however <laughs> um i'm a little i guess partially annoyed more so with i'm bringing the trailer up here now um i'm more so annoyed with like what i had seen here and that it was like i was hoping for something different and that's right this is going to be called tron identity it is a uh visual novel based game uh that will be releasing at least as far as they've revealed is going to be releasing on pc via steam um, and it takes place in a new version of the grid that has been uh, completely segmented and uh, pushed aside. Nobody knows exactly where any of this like exists at. You know, we'll probably learn, of course, as we as we um, as we play through the um, as we play through the game anyway. But um, you'll play as a character named Query, who is responsible for investigating some type of uh, mysterious event like it's a crime or something like that but you have to investigate this and figure out exactly what happened but it is all narrative based though um i've been looking forward to something tron related for a like long while now but i don't know if this is going to be enough to satiate that yeah i i mean i i almost wish that they'd go back and do something like tron 2.0 that was on uh original xbox and pc it was like a first person shooter really really neat idea um and you know it had a whole upgrade system that involved like computers and you know it, it made sense and like for what it was and kind of had this like quirky computer aspect to it this i, I i'm actually excited about because it, it it's written and uh developed by uh bithel games uh that that did thomas was alone which it was it was a really short minimalistic game that the writing on it was just phenomenal mm -hmm. um i mean if if you haven't played it it's only like a two hour if that uh okay. sit down and play through uh but it just some of the the writing for it it, it it's not something you would hear in in something that that actually had that was so minimalistic and that that kind of what makes me excited about what potential they have uh but beyond that i'm a huge tron fan 
same here. Like that that has me all kinds of excited just to kind of see what it's going to be like. But I was hoping for something more of like an action game, I guess, or something that had you exploring the grid. But uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that something like that could happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, they could always just release a light cycles game and I'd be happy. <laughs> yes, I would. I, uh, I unfortunately probably would be happy with that, too, but it would only just be enough. It'd just be a small, yeah, a small taste of what could be. Now, uh, as we move on here, one game that actually really caught my fancy uh, out of all of this, uh, there's plenty more still to talk about with some of these other games, was uh, Disney Illusion Island. And this game has uh it's a mickey mouse platformer game in the style of the more recent mickey mouse cartoons that have been coming out on disney channel um but it plays like a rayman platformer and it just it looks awesome and it's supposed Mm. to be coming out on the switch uh this next year but i got the video going here now and it's just it uh, it looks fun it just looks like a very enjoyable experience Oh, I have that. Yeah, I mean, as long as it keeps the uh, the pace of like a, a 2D Rayman, Rayman platformer, uh, I, I think it should work. Uh, that was an interesting concept, I, I think, for Rayman because, you know, it was totally different from... I, I think they had done 2D before, but not that, that pacing, that four-player style. They really took that Mario concept and, and gave it, like, a, a faster pace, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I don't know, just made it a little bit more friendly and competitive. Um, I, I, I'd i like to see that out of this, but it'd be hard to say. The, the trailer doesn't show a ton on that side, but who knows? It does look fairly close, I will say, as far as some of the concepts to, like, Rayman and, you know, the the way the characters move and, and interact with the world and stuff. It, yeah, that's exactly where it's like I got that, that same vibe. And it looks like going through the comments there from that uh, video on GameSpot's uh, YouTube channel, everybody's getting the same vibe with it, too. So that's really cool. Um mm-hmm. But that again, 2023, it's going to be, appears to be at least right now, a Switch-only title. But who knows? Things can change for the next several months. Uh, Interestingly enough, but maybe not so interesting, in the next title announced, too, we got Marvel World of Heroes. It is a Marvel AR game being developed by none other than Niantic. Uh, It's going to drop four mobile devices next year, of course. Uh, but it looks like you're going to be able to create your own superhero and have your own superpowers and uh, all that jazz, but no idea what that's going to mean. I don't know if that means you're going to be able to throw a Pokeball at Doctor Strange and catch him or something. Um, or, you know, you can, you you can know, have cause... Spider-Man as a character and then give him, like, a symbiote stone or something, and he evolves into Venom or something. I don't know. The The Minecraft one worked so well, and the Hogwarts one worked so well. <laughs> Right. I, I, I'm right there with you. That's why when I saw this, I was like, at first, like they were showing like the powers coming up here and then people were, and then you saw that they were holding phones and it was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon, the concept made sense, but, but I, I don't know some of this, some of this other stuff that, you know, it, it's supposed to like empower the player or whatever, quote unquote, eh. Yeah, I mean, you're 
it, it just seems silly at this point. It's just really and truly, it's just trying to get people to move around and get up and, and go out. And I, it, you shouldn't need a game to do that. And Pokemon Go is still plenty good enough. Maybe yeah. I'm being negative. No, I don't think you're being <laughs> negative on it. I don't think you're being negative. I, I think that's uh, I. I'm right there with you on it. I. I don't know. I don't know why we have. Yeah. I, I don't know why we have another mobile game coming out like that. But whatever. I'm not gonna fight it. People still play them. Even so. Carrying on from that though. Carrying on from uh, that mess. Avatar, uh, Frontiers of Pandora. I uh, did get a quick gameplay overview, um, but other than a quick peek at the game, there really wasn't that much said at, uh, at or about that one, unfortunately. Um, Marvel Snap uh, did get a uh, it, the upcoming free-to-play uh, collectible card game. Did get a global release date if you're into the collectible card game scene. Uh, you'll be able to play the Marvel card game starting October 18th. Um, I don't know. Are, are you into some of the mobile card games other than Hearthstone? No, that's, that's about, about as, the only one I've ever gotten into. That's the only one I've really gotten into as well. And I mean, the Marvel one might be okay, but I don't know if I need another card game on my phone at the moment. I'll wait till it comes out and, uh, you know, in another month or so, and I guess just see how it fares. Like maybe maybe get one of my kids to download it and try it first before me just to see what they think. Yeah. About the only other one that I think I've truly gotten into was maybe slay the spire, but that one's even more of a roguelike than necessary, a roguelike RPG than necessarily a card game. So, I mean, hearthstone and maybe some magic for me, but it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays and what kind of concept they carry out for, for the play style. Yeah, it looks like from what I had seen with it, um, it looks like it's a. Um, it definitely has the vibes of Hearthstone, especially when it comes to like uh, how uh, enemy cards or even minion cards like move around and, and attack and manipulate different things. Um, how there's like voices and sound effects tied into the cards, though, too, sometimes depending on like what it is or who it is. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of that. It's very, very motioning though it's very out there and they do claim that the uh, matches are supposed to be shorter than your average card game match especially on a mobile uh setting so maybe more accessible to a, a larger audience than the fact that you can get quick fire matches going yeah maybe uh so going through here a little bit faster as we're reaching the end of the main stories here though too is uh let's see you talked about snap and avatar there let's see we've got return to monkey island new trailer uh, of that's still gonna be dropping on uh september 19th uh aliens dark descent still looks really cool i'm excited to try out aliens with an XCOM feel to it that uh, one's gonna be exciting that yeah. one yeah. and the, the next one Really, really Gar got me going. Goyles Remastered, yes. So if you were a fan of the classic, extremely difficult uh, 90s uh, Saturday afternoon uh, kids game that they had released, uh, they're remastering it finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that actually looked, looks like that's going to end up being pretty cool. And I, I think that 
with the success that they've had with some of the remaster stuff, like especially the re-release of like DuckTales. DuckTales, um, yeah. You know, Lion I think, King, Aladdin. Yeah, I think that by them coming back around and doing, you know, Gargoyles, that's, you know, they're finding some good successes in these games that are older and had that layer of difficulty that they want to try to emulate because gamers are, you know, we're just getting better and better sometimes. Well, not us specifically, I, but. Th this makes me really want them to, you know, re-release games like more more of the, the Saturday morning or, you know, the afternoon cartoon collection games that they had put out like Tailspin, uh, so on and so forth, just to see, you know, what what kind of audience they could grow off of it and maybe potentially a whole collection of them instead of, you know, just one or two games at a time. That very well could be what they're trying to do, and I I support that fully. Let's just go spam. Well, let's just go spam watch, you know, something like Mad on Disney Plus just to see if that'll get them to release you know, right. another one there. I, I'm down for Tailspin, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm down for that. That was oh, my jam yeah. as a kid, too. Uh, we got Disney Dreamlight Valley is going to add uh, Toy Story Realm. So uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley is the Animal Crossing uh, style game, the life sim game that exists in the Disney universe. Um, they are going to be adding in, uh, yeah, a Toy Story environment there too. So if you're a fan of those life sim games and you've put, you know, well over what feels like six years of your life into Animal Crossing, even though, yes, it's only came out two years ago, uh, by all means, there's another one for you to go and take on, especially with all the things that you could do a la Disney. Uh, there's the MMO uh, shooter for Avatar Reckoning, uh, first look trailer. Um, you're going to be able to make your own avatar, go across Pandora, uh, different game modes that you're going to be able to play and experience. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of eh on Avatar, so I guess I don't know. Uh, but that's just me. I don't know. What about you, Kyle? Are you excited about any Avatar games or Avatar movies or anything? Not really. I mean, the one that the, I, I'm not really a big movie game person anyway but i mean the one that they had released i think it was on 360 was eh, anyway um i i don't really have any interest in you know running around in an open world as a navi especially you know since we haven't even seen what the other movies are supposed to you know what what the other parts of of pandora are supposed to be like because mm -hmm. the, the other movies haven't even been developed yet there's they're being developed simultaneously if i remember right so yeah that's actually really a big part of it is that it's like they're it's similar to like what i believe they did with avengers infinity war and endgame where they just kept filming after the other one was done that they just kept and going or did some things in tandem i i hate to think it that you know but it's a possibility that there there have been a lot of you know avatar film fans that maybe releasing an MMO um, RPG and releasing other games and, you know, trying to hype up the, the actual movies coming out, they could potentially kill each other. They could. I mean, we saw how many people were fans of um, the matrix and how mm -hmm. long did the matrix online exist for before they actually shut that down. And, you know, it's like it is one of those things. It's like you want to try to find stuff to fill in those gaps while waiting on the true content of what these are, which is really the movies. It's like, right. How much can you really fill in before people just kind of feel like, eh, whatever? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but 
Yeah. Carrying on, uh, yeah. Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker uh, Saga gets a new Galactic Edition and uh, thirty new characters to boot. At least I believe it was thirty new characters. Thirteen. Uh, thir- oh, it, is it thirteen? Uh, it's thirteen character packs, but I think I think it was. I don't remember uh, it being that big of a. Like, I don't remember it being a new like. I don't remember it being that high of a number. Um, See, I, I I thought I saw another another. Uh, excuse me, another... Oh, um, nope, you're right. Source it. Yeah, it was 30. like 30, 30 characters uh, over the 13 packs. So... Yep, yeah, that was my bad. I, I like... Uh, that's all good. Interesting. I thought it was... Uh, yeah, I thought it was only the... Uh, like, it was a smaller amount. That's why it's like I saw the 13. Like, yeah, that's right. It's like, there's no way. And then, yeah, 30. So... Okay. Still, I mean, that, that game was successful already. Um, for them to just throw new content at you... Uh, with this massive game, that's pretty awesome. But Lego games have always been good about stuff like that. I mean, they always release pretty solid and packed with content anyway. So, mm-hmm. and then just to get more, it's it's nuts. It truly is. Like, it, it really and is. I mean, Skywalker Saga Saga covers the entirety basically of of Star Wars. So, you, you've got a lot on your plate with that one, regardless. Yeah, well, talk to us about the next one that's on the list there, too, Kyle. Like, uh, you know, Disney's getting into the racer scene now with, what is this, Disney Speedstorm? Yeah, Storm? Disney Speedstorms uh, introduces new racers from Monsters, Inc. Uh, while Disney Speedstorm hasn't been released as of yet, um, it's supposed to be a racing game. Uh, I think it's kart racer style, if I'm not mistaken. Uh but in this showcase, they revealed uh, Soli, Mike Wazowski, Celia May, and Randall uh, from Monsters, Inc. that will be joining the roster um, alongside uh, a track in, inspired uh, by the film called The Factory. So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's, it is going to be truly a kart racer game. It's it's. Cart Razor did Disney style, and for some reason, Jack Sparrow has a cart where his shifter is See, his sword. I thought I had seen something about this earlier, um, and maybe it was a different thing or a, a different show, or maybe it was um, earlier today that I had seen it and just didn't think about it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It doesn't really – I don't know doesn't really speak to disney necessarily i i feel like this is them still trying to draw off of that disney infinity um genre almost i i I don't know what i'm trying to say but i i don't know how successful this is gonna be for them long term it's a cool concept but let's face it mario kart is still one of the top selling games of nintendo switch so you got a lot to to try and strive for Disney. <laughs> yeah, you really do Disney. Come on, pick up the pace on that one. Yeah. Um and then the last two things here of course, uh Disney Mirrorverse, which is their newest kind of line of toys and uh uh there's a mobile game as well that goes with it. Um that kind of like retcon the different characters that are out there in the Disney universe into like what was it um you know, like finding like Wizard Mickey um, or Sully with armor, uh, you know, like some type of like futuristic, almost like Buzz Lightyear type armor. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, running around like that. Well, they are bringing up a Halloween event, uh, their Halloween season, and they're going to be using, or at least they will have uh, your Disney villains actually end up being heroes in some of this case, that, or like in some of these events, though, too. Like they showed a, um, a Mirrorverse Oogie Boogie from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. And they also showed a uh, uh, Ursula as well, too, an armored Ursula from uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, fighting against some of these baddies that you come across in uh, Mirrorverse as well. And that, of course, is set to drop here soon, coming up uh, since we're really getting into the um, uh, getting into the uh, Halloween season right now, too. If you haven't been to Walmart, seriously, it's everywhere. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And then, of course, for any uh, rounding out the mobile stuff anyway, this is actually the last thing, but um, uh, they're going to be adding Red Hulk to Marvel Strike Force on September 13th. So if you want to play with Red Hulk, hey, by all means, go for it. The thing they show off in the trailer is Red Hulk fighting uh, Hulk, She-Hulk, and another character, and then Red Hulk getting blown up and thrown across the map or, or wherever they're at and meeting up with Apocalypse, because why not? Huh. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, now... I don't know. That that one was kind of fun for a little while, but... Uh, yeah, I'm good on two. It... It, it it's it's a fun just basic three uh, i think it was three or four person rpg um and eventually it does get to a point that if if you're not grinding over and over and over again you're gonna pay, have to pay so yep that's yeah it's that's really the vibe that you get from it that's why it's it's just not my style in some of that i know I know you, yeah. Kyle. You're not spending money in Diablo Immortal anymore, so maybe you just go turn. No, and spend money in no, this. I, I, I quit. <laughs> I quit spending money on the mobile games. I promise. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But we are now to the part of the news where uh, all of our main stories have been talked about, and we are on to Kyle's section with the NPC news quest markers. Kyle, what do we have for us in the quest markers this week? So, for our first marker of the week, Tencent has acquired a stake in Ubisoft uh, Founders Holding Company. Uh, the holding company uh, named uh, Gilmont Brothers Limited, uh, of course the parent company, um, has had a 49.9% stake and 5% voting rights um invested in it around 297 million dollars um by Tencent um also a, a, allowing Tencent to take a bigger stake in Ubisoft from 4.5 to 9.99% with no other increases for 8 years um of course Ubisoft says the focus on the partnership is mobile titles uh from several several of Ubisoft's uh, major franchises and the launch of several of Ubisoft PC titles in China. All right. Um, of course, we know uh, Ubisoft had has. I it was either today or coming up has their their event where they're going to be talking about some Assassin's Creed stuff tomorrow. I'm sure we've got a new. Oh, is it tomorrow? Yep. Uh, I'm I'm sure we've got a mobile Assassin's Creed coming up. Um and. Ubisoft has done stuff with mobile before, so they already kind of have a foot of what you know they they can do, especially going cross game. 
So hopefully they release some cool, uh, maybe free to play or uh, pay to win games that you can you can try out on the, the phone. Woohoo! But continuing on, Nintendo has revealed their Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Special Edition Switch OLED to the dismay of everyone that purchased the Splatoon Switch OLED. Wah, wah. Not really. Um, I I like both consoles. Uh, but the new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Special Edition uh, actually has Joy-Cons that have logos for the in-game academies in Scarlet and Violet, uh, as well as colored uh, each of them uh, per game, uh, left and right, of course. And the dock has the legendary Pokemon uh, Coridon, and I, I, I think I'm per night pronouncing that right and miraidon on the back of the switch and has purple and red waves along with images of the new starters um so doesn't really show the uh, back of the system of course on the image i believe it's on this side of me yes um yeah um however uh the images on the back of the system are really, really cool. Um, I, I want to say on this this Splatoon one, they're they're kind of like almost two tone gray and black, whereas on this one it's it's I think full color on the back of the system. So if you haven't gotten a chance, definitely check the system out. Very, very neat. Uh, of course, I want to say that one's launching once again three fifty nine ninety nine, uh, ten dollars more than your standard Switch OLED. And for the last bit of news, Microsoft has revealed the white Xbox Elite controller in a new packaging for the Elite controller uh, called the Elite Series 2 Core. Uh, The new packaging will only include a charge cable and the tightening key for the analog sticks uh, with no case, no extra analog sticks or paddles to boot. Uh, the paddles will be purchasable and pre-orderable separate. Um, unfortunately, for the price of $59.99, where the uh, Series 2 Core controller will launch at $129.99, making the uh, white controller $10 more than the Series 2 Elite controller to buy the package separate in two separate um, iterations. However, if you're looking to just re- replace a... Uh, broken series 2 controller or to uh you know match up parts to that you already have from one that you threw out this might be a, a less expensive option to to get your hands on on a replacement so something to look forward to um let's see the uh elite 2 actually also will be de- debuting in the xbox design labs finally so you'll be able to customize uh, analog sticks and controller faces, um, as well as, I believe, some of the analog triggers. So you can get your custom lockdown triggers and colors and whatnot. Um, unfortunately, there will be no difference in functionality, and they have not announced a Series 3 as of yet with the share button included. So we are still waiting on that. And that, unfortunately is all I have for the quest markers. Well, with that being it for the quest markers, that means that is it 
for the weekly news roundup for September 9th, 2022. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for this week's weekly news roundup. Welcome back again, of course, though, too, to the Friday episodes. These will be going on every Friday that we can do them. So be sure to tune in here on our YouTube channel to watch those and check them out, of course, when we do go live. If you can't watch us live, be sure to check out either the VOD here on YouTube or go follow our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice, and you can check out the audio and listen to us wherever you go. Our homepage for our podcast is anchor.fm slash the dash dash podcast, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms out there. If you would like as well, too, this actually does become a video podcast on Spotify as well. So if you want to watch us while on Spotify, that is an option for you as well, too. In the meantime, we'll catch you guys all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Laters.